The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You lucky team, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wanky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. One thing about this world you can't depend on anything. The leaders that we follow, they can't even write their name. But here we are in America Ain't it just a shame how it goes on and on Our children going hungry Teens are turned to crime And politicians know it's true But they ain't got no time Now here we are in America Nothing seems to change It just goes on and on and on But there may be people who truly be mighty, but still it lack the key. I pray that someday these people will finally declare that even heroes can do it all alone. Now tell me what you think when you see women being beaten. And how's it make you feel to know the one you love is cheating? That's the life in America Someone stop the train It can go on and on Ooh, and where's the Constitution When you need it to refer The things that are unlawful Have the papers all been burned Yeah, that's the life in America Should I still remain Or just go on and on and on Now there may be people who truly Someday this world will finally declare 
new generation. The Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com Hey, welcome back everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. and this hour, we're going to talk about Olympians. No, not the ones in Tokyo. The ones from the Mount Olympus Pet Center who return along with Zeus the Mighty in a new book by Crispin Boyer called The Trials of Harry Cleese. Or Harry Cleese, I guess is the way you should pronounce it. And uh, Crispin Boyer joins me by phone. Hi, Crispin. Morning. Thanks for having me, Tom. Um, Crispin, the last time we talked, um, I, I can't remember what Zeus was up to, but this is uh, part of a series. Um, it, it's a seven-book series, as I understand. How far are we in the in the rollout this of is, these? This is, we're at book three, so we're we're pretty well established now with the like with the characters and their personalities and their, their traits. And uh, in this book, uh, we're introducing a new Olympian. Um, if you're saying that, it's funny that we are in the middle of the, the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, uh, this one, the, the Olympian in my book is a, is a chicken. Uh, her name is Hermes, and uh, she's, a, she's a new uh, animal that joins the group that uh, already. So the other Olympians, which we have Zeus, who's a hamster, who leads the group. We have Ares, who's a pug, who's the god of war, and uh, Demeter, who's a, who's a grasshopper. Uh, so we, we, we're getting a, a growing menagerie of uh, characters here. And what's really... I, I want to make sure to put in context for people listening who may not have seen these books or um, didn't hear you last time you were here, which was about a year ago, I think. Um, yeah. The this all takes place in the Mount Olympus Pet Center, and that's right. Yeah, these characters that you talk about are animals that are part of the inventory of this pet center, and mm-hmm. at night when the place is closed, the adventures begin, and all of these uh, animals take up. Uh, Roles as various people, as does the uh, the title character Zeus the Mighty. Exactly. Yes, you, you perfectly uh, summarized the the series, and, and they're written in a way so even though it is, it is ultimately a seven book series, that, that readers, young readers, don't have to start with book one if they don't want to. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I, I listened like the, the Narnia series, and I, I basically picked a book I wanted based on how cool the cover art was. This was a mistake <laughs> because, of course, the Narnia series is very <laughs> very sequential. Things happen in a very specific order. Uh, but with my series, I like to think that if a reader say, oh, I like the look of the Hydra monster that's on the cover of this particular book, or the Minotaur that's on the cover of book two. And, uh, and we can start there and really just kick right up and, and, and get running with it. And, and yes, it is kind of a, a pet uh, a pet rescue center 
it's run by a, a woman, a human woman <laughs> named Artemis, who is obsessed with Greek mythology, and she plays a, a podcast that she works during the day uh, called Greeking Out that is hosted by the Oracle of Wi-Fi. And, and every podcast that she listens to kind of breaks down a different Greek myth. And the animals uh, listen to these podcasts during the day, and then at night they, they go about enacting this particular myth. And uh, it, it, the animals truly believe that they are Greek gods. It's not they're pretending they're Greek gods. So you have Zeus the hamster, who's um, very overconfident. Uh, he's got uh, he's got maybe a little bit like Michael Scott from The Office, just kind of is <laughs> very confident and in, in, uh, a great leader when he's really not. And it's uh, he, he's got a good heart, <laughs> but it's up to the other animals. Um, to kind of keep them in check, uh, you know, you, you have Athena, the cat, who's the goddess of wisdom, and she, she keeps him, like, she kind of guides him, uh, to take his terrible ideas and turns them into good ideas. And um, I, I remember yeah, commenting yeah. on of this, course. sorry, Crispin, I, I remember commenting oh, no, on no. this the uh, last time we talked, that, um, at the at the beginning of the book is uh, a floor plan of the Mount Olympus Pet Center. It's literally a a map to the the world that these characters live in, and uh, each of the various stations around the shop represent uh, everything from Mount Olympus to uh, Poseidon's home. And um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, and and I was fascinated by that when we when we talked the last time because I felt like I could kind of see how these adventures would play out and how these characters would interact. Um, and and I I, I want to give you just a chance to to mention the illustrations because they really do help bring the story to life. Oh yeah, the uh, there's a we have a Scottish illustrator named Andy Elkerton, who does these fabulous, uh, fully illustrated uh, uh, episodes. If you go through the book, you know, he has various encounters with different monsters. And uh, Andy does an amazing job because, you know, these animals are in a pet center. And so for them, the, the aquarium section is the, you know, the agency. So Andy has to kind of interpret an aquarium also, you know, filling in as an ocean <laughs> or a ceiling fan uh, taking the place of a monster. So he, he does a good job kind of showing the world from the animal's perspective and showing, you know, these mythological creatures and treasures and, and the beautiful landscape of, of ancient Greece. While at the same time, you can recognize that they're in a, you know, they're in a pet store. <laughs> yeah. So it, he, he actually has, he has a really tough job trying to, <laughs> trying to, to, to Bring those ideas to light. But he he does it brilliantly. And I also want to mention that you include in the books um, uh, some actual um, maps and and biographies of uh, the region around Mount Olympus and and around the Greek gods and the Greek myths themselves. So in addition to having these fanciful adventures with Zeus the Mighty and his cohorts, there's there's also a, a little touch of the roots of these stories and and a little 
exposure to actual Greek mythology? Well, yeah, you know, the, the series is from National Geographic, so we wanted it to be educational in kind of a sneaky way. So the, and in Greek mythology itself, a lot of it is uh, pretty uh, serious and kind of R-rated and scary, <laughs> not really appropriate for kids. So this is a really, you know, very kid-friendly take on it, but then it touches on the actual myths and also just, you know, how ancient Greeks saw how, how these myths and these, and these different deities uh, took a role in their lives and also a bit of how what life was like in ancient Greece. And, and that's why I think, like, the, the map at the beginning of the book that showed the pet center, and, you know, when I was a young reader, my favorite thing in a book was seeing a map, whether it was, you know, the Lord of the Rings books where you see a map and, and then you kind of follow along, like you were saying, follow along the adventures. But the the overhead map of, of the pet center actually corresponds to uh, an overhead map of ancient Greece. So everything kind of roughly fits where it's supposed to. And then once you get to the end of the book, and if the kids want to, they can read this bonus material that's called The Truth Behind the Fiction. And then see, oh, yeah, so here is the, here's what Monolithus is. And all oh, yeah, it does match up with this, this area in the pet center. Uh, so it's like little, it's very subtle. <laughs> we're not, we're, it, it, ultimately, we want the story to be fun and engaging. More about Greek mythology from the Mount Olympus Pet Center and the author of the Zeus the Mighty series, Crispin Boyer, straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Sterling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all 
always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about Greek mythology from the Mount Olympus Pet Center and the author of the Zeus the Mighty series, Crispin Boyer, straight ahead. Now, we talked about a year ago, and you said it takes about a year to get these, uh, you know, completed, to get, you know, them written and edited and illustrated and published and so on. Um, This has been a strange year to try and get a book like this out. Um, Yeah. Did the pandemic have any uh, impact on on our our characters at uh, Mount Olympus? Well, it's it's really funny you mention that because I can go back. I've been a writer for uh, almost 30 years now, and I can go back and look at pretty much anything I've ever written and kind of remember where I was when I wrote it and what was going on in the world. And, like, you know, oh, when I wrote this, oh, yeah, that's that day that I had, like, food poisoning <laughs> or whatever. Um, and actually, so, so this book uh, was mostly written right before the pandemic really uh, got underway. So um, I think I, I was in the final re- revision stages. So this book, I would say, it was, it was still kind of in the, the uh, happy-go-lucky time. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I have written the, the two, I've actually written the two books that follow up since then. And, and I'm, I'm, it's a really good question whether, um, one, one thing that, you know, I, I live on a farm, and I've got, we've got farm animals. We've got chickens and, and cows, and, and um, we've, some of the animals from the, 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 uh, the books have inspired, um, from the, from some of the animals from my farm have inspired animals in the books, and then some of the animals in, in the books inspired 
uh, how we look at our animals here. So there, there's a, a, a new, the new character that we introduced in this story, Hermes, the hen, we actually found here at our farm, we, we found someone who had a chicken that looked just like it. <laughs> just like <laughs> it. So we, we, we went ahead and, and got that chicken, and that's Hermes, and she lives here now. Um, but, but yeah, and otherwise, I mean, I guess for me, I've, I've pretty much worked remotely, worked from home for so long that the, being a writer uh, during the pandemic, it didn't really affect my workflow or anything, whether it affected my stories or my sense of humor. Uh, that's a really good question, I guess. So. I'm, I'm gonna, as I go through um, looking, looking at the next book, I'll have to really see if there's any change in tone. I hope not. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny you, you talk about working from home. I had uh, about two months before the, the pandemic became um, actually realized in this country. Um, I had moved, I, I had closed my studio and moved all my equipment home and set up a home studio. So I was already working from home when... when oh, that's great time. It really was, um, except for the part where I thought I was going to be a little bit different than everybody else, and then everybody else started working <laughs> from home. But but in terms of impacting me, it didn't, because I went down the hall, you know, from the living room to the mm-hmm. office where I have my studio set up, just as I was going to with or without the pandemic, and, and while I... Uh, do miss having people into the studio live a lot of my interviews yeah. like this one with you are are by phone and so it's been you know fairly easy to just keep doing what i was going to be doing and so i haven't felt as put out as some people might but what about the the promoting of books because i would suspect that a big part of promoting books like the zeus the mighty series uh, for national geographic kids would involve, you know, personal visits and, and readings and book signings. And and you have you been able to do that kind of stuff remotely, or has that been really different? Uh, no, well, I haven't been able to do it remotely, but the, the other side of it is, you know, with things like uh, Zoom and, and all of these different programs, um, Google Meet and, and things like that, which, you know, we're, we're doing well kind of starting up the foot of and but then now become essential tools. Uh, I, what I like to, what one of my favorite ways to promote, um, you know, besides talking to you, is is uh, I can go, there's a lot of teachers that they were doing, you know, Zoom classes and teaching remotely, and then they could bring me in to, I could share, like, my book with the whole class, and I've, I've done that a, a few times, and it's a, really a lot of fun because, you know, I'm sitting here at my computer, and <clears throat> I see, you know, 40 or 50 little uh, videos, screens of kids. <laughs> so it's kind of like, it, it's like public speaking without actually having to go and, and stand in front of anybody. And then I can sit here and I can show my, my books and, and read some excerpts, talk about the characters. And, you know, it's, it gets a little chaotic because it's 50, 50 kids that are all excited and have questions and stuff. But it's, it's so much fun. And it really does, um, I, I'd say it's rewarding is, is going and doing it in person or, or signing books. Um, so, it, you know, whereas the pandemic closed some doors, and I guess it opened other doors in terms of that. Um, but I, I know what you mean, too, about, uh, you know, you, you were doing this working remotely before it was cool. And, and there's, you know, while it is nice to, to walk a few feet to your home office, 
um, it, it was also nice to go out and you know work in a coffee shop once in a while or, or try and uh, try and, and you know get outside and get some. I mean, I could still go outside and get sun, but <laughs> interact with the with the world. But um, uh, and you know, hopefully we're we're on our way to being back to, to normal. And um, uh, but yeah, it's certainly it's, I think it's opened up all these different ways to like interact with people, which is nice. Um, especially because I, I do live in a, I live in Hawaii. I live in a remote place already, so uh, for me, um, it's just I can I can kind of uh, promote and, and and like meet readers without actually you know leaving home. Now this book, um, the Trials of Heracles, are um, this is the third of a book uh, uh, of a series of seven, and they're all based on. Greek mythology are they is each book based on a particular Greek myth or are there elements of different myths in each book and how do you decide which which stories you you want to tell well it was you know when we sat down with my editors to talk about the series we we wanted to get the you know kind of the greatest hits of Greek mythology and so yeah we decided to base the, the first book is about the, the Jason and the Argonauts, really the quest for the Golden Fleece, or in this case, the Golden Fleece. Um, <laughs> and then the second book was about the, the and oh yeah, there's like plenty of puns in this. <laughs> uh, the uh, the second book was about the the Minotaur myth. So there was a, a you know, in, in mythology there was a Minotaur in the center of a maze, uh, and and and. The, the challenge then becomes how do I incorporate these myths into a pet center? Like, how can I incorporate a maze into a pet store? So, in, in the second book, it, it was it took place in the heating ducts that are under the floor, uh, which the the Minotaur itself was actually um, in, in real life was a faulty furnace at, at the end of the maze. And so, in the third book, it's the, the trials of. of some people pronounce them Hercules, some people pronounce them Heracles, or the animals in the series pronounce them Heracles. Um, so it follows the in, the myth of Hercules had kind of these 12 challenges, very much like a video game that uh, he had to do um, in order to achieve immortality. And so this book sees our, our, our heroes going through these challenges and, and that are represented as different obstacles in the pet store. Um, and then, you know, moving forward uh, to the series, you kind of think of, like, what's, what's left to cover, like, what are the famous myths? You know, there's Medusa, there's the Underworld and Hades, then there's the, the uh, Trojan Horse and, and you know, the, the, the Trojan War. Uh, uh, so there's still lots of stuff, or plenty of material to mine, and it is kind of mapped out in a, in a grand picture. And, and ultimately, like I said, you know, the readers can read these books really in any order, but I'd like to think that Zeus... The hamster, the does some some character growth throughout the series and becomes a little more, uh, a little less uh, uh, full of himself and a little more reliant on his friends as as the series goes on. A little more um, more likable. You know, it's you have to have some you have to have an ultimate arc for your character, which itself is kind of a hallmark of uh, Greek mythology. Well, I would think it would be. Uh both fun and challenging trying to take a character like Zeus the Mighty, which is a hamster, and and blend characteristics of the Greek god Zeus and the hamster in this little pet center. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. Um, it, you know, he, of course, lives on the tallest shelf in Mount, Mount Olympus uh, Pet Rescue Center, um, which uh, already gives him kind of a guide complex. And he sees his little habitat as Mount Olympus, as his palace. So he looks out over this vast pet center, and he sees the different shelves and the, the aquarium, and he, and he sees, you know, all the, the, the toys and things hanging on the walls, and he sees he sees all of the, like, mountains and the rugged terrain of Greece, and he sees the ocean. And then he, of course, as believing that he's Zeus, thinks that he is God of it all. And then, of course, in the Aegean Sea, you've got a pufferfish named Poseidon who rules the seas, and Poseidon's not going to let Zeus encroach on his territory, so that's one thing set up from the start is these two Olympian characters butt heads a lot about who rules what. But as the series goes on and you start to see other parts of ancient Greece, such as the underworld, you introduce characters like Hades and that you just have more and more different God characters who are kind of vying for control of their particular parts, uh, which is true to mythology. And then when you take that and put it into, you know, a, a, 1,200-foot pet shop, it, it actually, it, the, 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 the landscape is a lot smaller and there's a lot more room for conflict. And it's not, it's never, um, they don't actually, like, go to war, it doesn't get violent or, or whatever, but it's a, it's a lot of, like, kind of the animals trying to outsmart each other and one-up each other and um, certainly a lot of uh, snarky dialogue. Um, ultimately, they, they, they work together to, to overcome, each book has kind of an overarching um, challenge or monster that they have to also overcome. And that's part of the fun, too, is just making making everything work. And, and then for the reader, it's fun to kind of look and, and see, oh, this, this, uh, they're, they're fighting a sea, like a giant sea monster, a whirlpool sea monster, but in real life, it's just the, you know, it's just the toilet that's in the bathroom. <laughs> so it's kind of fun to figure out what, what they're actually fighting in real life versus what the monster is uh, in Greek mythology. Crispin, I don't remember if we talked about this before. Um, I, I can only imagine that we probably did. But how did you get, how did you decide or how was the decision made to do a series based on Greek mythology? Was that something you were already uh, uh, tuned to? Well, I've always been a huge fan of Greek mythology, um, you know, not just the, you know, from from the, the movies and, and, and just from, I used to have all these Greek mythology books when I was a kid, some of them from National Geographic, so it's all kind of full circle. Um, this this series, uh, Who's the Mighty, is only the second uh, fiction series that National Geographic has done for kids, and it's this, the over, the, the, the big idea here with my editor, she said it, she wanted to do, she thought it'd be great to do a series uh, that can teach about Greek mythology and she, she came up with the idea of Zeus, the hamster, who lives in this pet store. And then just basically, she, she knew, and then I'd been writing for National Geographic Kids for a long time, uh, a lot of nonfiction stuff, um, books just about, you know, like science and history and, and how snot works and <laughs> space yeah. and things like that. I, I have a lot of experience writing for kids and, and taking complicated subjects and kind of making them fun. And so this was my first fiction series. She, she asked me if I'd be interested in doing this and basically gave me the framework and said, here you go, have fun with it, run with it. And um, they, they teamed me up with an editor who, who's an expert in, in children's fiction. And this was my first fiction series, and I'm cutting my teeth on it. And 
the first book, uh, I think we went through like 10 revisions because it's a, it was a new kind of writing for me. So it was a really a, a big learning process for me. Uh, I'd say my first book, I tried to cram in way too many characters, way too much stuff going on. And it got, and, and the editor was like, slow down. <laughs> this is too, this is too much. And uh, we, we kind of helped me map out the whole series. So for me, um, it, this has been like a, an awesome, super fun learning process and also a dream to, to write fiction and also about ancient Greece uh, and mythology and have all these fun characters. And then, uh, you know, and also kind of get the, 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 uh, get the idea from my editor to hit the ground running with it. And they've been really um, supportive and super helpful with their feedback too. And I, as the series has gone on, uh, I, the number of revisions has gone way down. So <laughs> I think we're really getting our groove. Um, uh, but I, I'd say like any, any writer for sure needs a good editor to, to just go through and tell, tell them or her, like, this is working, this isn't. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, I, I've learned so much just by going through this about just how to streamline a story and just, especially for a young reader, you want it to just get right get right down to the action uh, and then just have a lot of, like, fun, engaging adventures. Um, and that's what these are fairly, they're not super long in terms of word count, so they're, they're pretty snappy reads. I would say that a kid could probably get through each of these books uh, in a weekend. Um, and then at the same time, then they can go back and look, uh, like really enjoy the illustrations and then see kind of anything that they missed. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of a history of how the series worked and, and my, my history with the series. And um, I'm, I'm really enjoying learning and, and making these characters grow as the series expands. Yeah, Crispin, you've written over 20 books for National Geographic Kids, and, and as you mentioned just now, this is your first fiction series. Um, but how much of it is, is fiction and how much of it is adaptation? Yeah, so that's a good question. I There is a, a Greek mythology expert who, she's a professor of Greek mythology, and is Dr. Diane Klein, and she goes through and she vets she, she reads the manuscript, so she basically keeps me within, I would say, like kind of the guardrails of the myth, so I don't wander too far. So the, I would say a good 40% of what you read here is pretty true to, to, the, to the actual myth themselves. Um, you know, there's a lot of, I, I have a lot of leeway because I'm, I'm dealing with, uh, you know, I'm making them friendly for kids, um, but... So, like, certain characters from, like, the supporting characters, the, the human, the mortal characters that take, uh, are in these stories and mythology show up in, in, in these stories as different supporting animals. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I'd say that they're, they're they, I'd say that they really do convey, like, a, a, a reader can go through this book, read the story, know nothing about Greek mythology, and then they can go to the material at the end that explains what the myth is, and really see how they, they overlap, like the stories overlap. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the goal here, is just to, to show um, like just a different way, a different uh, avenue to get into Greek mythology. How do you prepare when you're writing one of these books? Do you read the, the original myth and then, you know, sit down and say, okay, uh, I'm casting these characters in these roles, and how would it play out for them? How, how, how does that process yeah, work? Yeah, it's a lot of, re, I'd say, reverse engineering. So 
say in 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 the, the third book, the, the Trials of Heracles, they have to fight. Uh, the, I'd say the, the most famous monster in this series, in, in this myth, is the Hydra, which is a kind of a giant dragon with, with in mythology that has nine heads. So I'm like, okay, I gotta put that, and that's gotta be you know the, the main the call it the final boss, the big monster, the big bad of this myth. Um, so then I'm like, well, what what in the pet center could be a, a multi-headed monster? And so I see, okay, maybe like a fan, like a floor fan. Um, so we we then we have to figure out, okay, how do I get a new floor fan in the pet center, and how do I have it represented to the way that, that the humans need a floor fan, and then how the how the monsters see it. So then it's just a matter of I need to to write that into the story, and then have the monsters see this fan, and you know the the, to the to the to the animals, they look at this fan and they see the different heads on it, and it looks to them like a monster. And you know the fan spins, so of course that's the the heads riding around. And, and it's actually uh, I realized I, I learned that there are floor fans that in in really hot climates you can have a misting feature where you can fill them with a little bit of water and they will spray mist at you. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. So that's kind of the venom that the Hydra spits at the characters because it's a floor fan that's got a missing feature. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's funny because I'll research, I'll research the myths and then I'm like, you know, it, I'll be researching different kinds of fan technology. I have a broad range of, of uh, research that goes into each story. Um, but, it, you know, now I'm thinking, hey, these fans sound pretty nice. If it gets hot, maybe I'll get one of these fans that blows mist on you. Well, this you've got to have the greatest job in the world, Crispin. <laughs> um, the oh, book, the book is uh, part of the Zeus the Mighty series from National Geographic Kids, penned by Crispin Boyer. This installment, The Trials of Harry Cleese. and and Crispin, we're we're almost out of time, and and I'm always amazed at how fast our time goes. But, um, yeah, Crispin. Um, I always give guests, uh, as, as you might remember, a chance to let listeners know where they can find out more about you, about this book, the series, and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? Well, I don't, but if you can go to ZeusTheMighty.com and you'll see, uh, you can learn all about the series. There's actually, the series has got all these different elements to it. It has a, a podcast kind of spawn from the podcast and the book's called Freaking Out. It's actually really popular. Um, and so, you know, people, you can listen to the podcast, you know, with your kids while you're driving around, and that might be something where they can listen to the, the Greeking Out podcast, and they'll be like, oh, now I want to read the books, or they, you know, or maybe they just, you know, uh, just want to hear the podcast. You can go to ZeusMighty.com, learn about the books, learn about the characters. There's even a game you can play. Um, so that's really a one-stop shop. Well, Crispin, thanks so much for spending this time with me, and uh, I look forward to the next installment and hopefully our next conversation. You too, Tom. I'll talk to you in a year, I hope. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Keep up the good work. Take care. Thank you. Again, that is uh, Crispin Boyer. He is the uh, author uh, for National Geographic Kids of the Zeus the Mighty series. The third installment is now out called The Trials of Heracles, and we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. <music> now. 
virus comes along that's spreading like a plague And POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well Unless you want to bid our free society farewell There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. 
East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons. (laughs) The Bickersons have retired. As usual, Mrs. Bickerson tosses restlessly while her husband, John Insomniac Extraordinary, provides this audible testimony of his constant wakefulness. Let's listen. the love of heaven, what is he doing? John. John! John! What's the matter with you? You are making the most frightful noises. What's the matter? What's the matter, Blanche? Are you in pain? I've got a terrible headache. Haven't slept a wink. You've been sleeping like a felled ox. Head aches. You wouldn't have such a headache if you didn't make so many cocktails before dinner. Why do you do that, John? Always do it. Why? No good to eat on an empty stomach. Put out the lights, please. The lights are out. How would you know anyway with that sleep shade on? Well, something's flashing in my head. Ow! Take an aspirin. Okay. Hmm, feel better already. How can you chew those things like that? Wash it down with something. 
All right. <sighs> John Bickerson, you washed it down with bourbon. You lied to me. You got the lights on. Yes, I'm gonna keep them on. Sit up. I want to talk to you. Please, Blanche. I can't sit up. My head will fall off. Why do you always have to talk in the middle of the night? When else can I talk to you? You come home for dinner and bury your head in the paper. Never a word out of you. And you tell me you've got to go to bed early because you have insomnia. Well, I have. It takes me hours to fall asleep. It took you all of thirty seconds tonight. Well, this was a good night. Good night, John. John. I went over to see the Marvins' new baby this afternoon. It's a beautiful child. Do you know their first one is over a year old? I hope so. He's been walking since he was eight months. He must be awful tired. I am too. Children are such a blessing.、Mm. It's wonderful to watch them grow up. You'd be surprised how many childless couples are adopting children. I'd better have another aspirin. Boy, have I got a headache.、Mm. John,、mm-hmm. don't you miss the patter of tiny feet around the house? No, I don't, Blanche. Children are wonderful, all right, but you have to be able to afford them. All this talk of adopting—what the devil is that? What's what? That. Put the lights on. John. Blanche, don't tell me that you went out and. It's and, only a dog, silly. A, a dog? What do we need dogs for? I got for? a little puppy. Where's the aspirin? What did you get a dog for? Now don't get hysterical. Where is the little beast? I can hear it, but I can't see it. He's right there in the bureau. I've got him in your shirt drawer. You put him in there with my shirts? He won't suffocate. The drawer's open. Blanche, you know I'm allergic to dog hair. It gives me sinus trouble. Where's the aspirin? You are just a big hypochondriac. You imagine those allergies like you do your insomnia. I tell you, I'm allergic to dogs. They make me, make me, get rid of that thing. He'll whine all night and keep me awake. The man said he'll keep quiet if you give him one of those worm pills. Well, where are they? On the night table by your bed. How do you give a dog? Where? They're on the night table by your bed. There's nothing here except the aspirins. The aspirins are in the medicine cabinet. How can they be in the Blanche? What have I been eating? No wonder my headache won't go away. Why do you do these things to me? Send for a doctor. Don't carry on so. If they're good for a dog, they won't hurt you. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. She tells me. Here I am, dying from dog poisoning. My my head is splitting. She knows I'm allergic to dogs. Hides the aspirin and makes. I don't know. Get up so early, never get another wink of sleep as, as long as. <laughs> John, John, Gazundai.、Mm-hmm. Thanks. I can see how much sleep I'm going to get tonight. We'll have to get rid of the puppy. Now you're talking. I want you to take him down to the dog pound. Okay, I'll do it on my way to work. You go in the opposite direction. Well, I'll go out of my way. You say it, but you won't do it. You better take him now. What? Go on, get up, take the puppy to the dog pound. Blanche, are you out of your mind? It's after two in the morning. They're open all night. Go on, get up and take him. Well, I've never heard of such a thing. You know, I went to bed with a splitting headache and had to take a dozen worm pills to fall asleep. You'd take the dog to the pound quick enough if Gloria Gooseby asked you to. How do you always manage to work the conversation around a Gloria Gooseby? Well, if you wouldn't shout so much, maybe the puppy would be able to sleep. Ah,、oh, what's the use? Good night. I thought it would be nice to have a little dog, especially when we move into our new apartment. Still have a year to go on this one. 
Our lease expired on Friday. I renewed it yesterday. I canceled it this morning. Amos is raffling off the apartment for me. That's a good idea. Amos is what? Amos sold 500 tickets at $2 a piece, and the winner moves into our apartment tomorrow. Oh, Blanche, no. I... I don't believe it. We'll be on the street. Amos said he'll find us a new place in a jiffy. Jiffy? Haven't you heard there's a housing shortage? Where would he find a place? Well, I bought a ticket myself. It's a wonderful chance. Lovely three-room apartment, large kitchen, big closets. It's worth $2, and we might get it. Get it? We've got it now. I know. But even if we didn't win, we get the $1,000 Amos collected for the rest of the tickets. Look, Blanche, I gave the landlord a $1,200 bonus to renew the lease. So now I'm out $200 and I've got no place to live. Sounds like pretty poor business to me. Why do you make such deals? Now look, Blanche... The trouble with you, John, is that you are too conservative. Look, Blanche... If you'd pick up some of the deals that Amos has, we might be able to live as nicely as he does. Blanche... He's been living at the Biltmore Hotel for a year. He sleeps on a billiard table. Look out. Where's my slippers? What are you going to do? Let me get to that phone. I'll show... Ow! Ooh! Ooh! Put on the lights. The lights are on. Open your eyes. Oh. Here's here's the phone. I know it's going to ring, and I want to be ready when it does. Hello? Excuse me. Drop dead. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That wasn't Amos. I'll get it. I'll get it. Amos. Hi, Jacko. What are you doing up this time of night? Packing, Amos. We're moving, haven't you heard? Why aren't you going to invite me in? I'd like to look the place over. You mean... Yep, I won the raffle. Darndest luck I ever saw. Who drew the ticket, Amos? Fair and square. I wouldn't take a chance having some phony draw it, so I drew it myself. What a coincidence. Get out of here. What's the matter with you, Jacko? You got a thousand dollars coming. And if you're worried about a place to live, I'll rent you the garage. You haven't got a car anymore, you know. Get out of here before I hit you with a cleaver. Okay, Jacko. You don't have to get sore. You better give the money back to people you sold tickets to, or you'll have a lot of explaining to do. Not me, brother. You'll have to do the explaining. I'll tell them you won. Good night, Jacko. That guy will wind up on a chain gang as sure as... Was it Amos who won? I did. Now at last I can go to sleep in my own bed without worrying. No, you can't, dear. The dog's in there. But, oh, nuts. I'll sleep in the garage. Good night, John. From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. We've got more authors booked for tomorrow's show. We're going to start out with... Uh, Lisa Klein Ransom, who's the author of almost 20 books for young readers, her newest book, Being Clem, is the final novel in the award-winning Finding Langston trilogy. Plus, we'll uh, also be talking with um, Britta Lundin, 
who is the author of Like Other Girls. But I want to say thanks to all the guests we had on the show today. What a great way to start out the week. Crispin Boyer was back from Nat Geo Kids and his series Zeus the Mighty with a new installment called uh, The Trials of Heracles. Always fun to talk to Crispin. And uh, fascinating conversation with uh, Ed Watts during the second hour of the show today uh, about his new book, The Eternal Decline and Fall of Rome, The History of a Dangerous Idea, on Oxford University Press. Uh, Edward Watts is uh, professor of history at the University of California, San Diego. And we started out this morning talking about summer brain drain for young and old and uh, got some tips on how to deal with it from Ph.D. Patrick Porter, award-winning brain scientist. Anyway, they're smoking George Winters, tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room. But as I mentioned, I'll be back with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program tomorrow. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.